3: Welcome to a new week of Football Full Circle, live right here on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. A Monday edition to start things off here. I'm Ben Stevens, he is Joe Lisi, and we are along for the ride with you on this new week. A big week in the world of football. The NFL schedule officially released later on throughout this week on thursday to be exact we know the games we know who's playing who we know where they're playing now we get the order of the schedule the dates and the times listed but a lot still going on in the college football landscape as well mr lisi as we are now here in our second week of may
4: Oh, this is what it's all about, Ben, right? We've seen some rookie camps open for the NFL team, saw the first-round draft picks get implemented in terms of practice. Now we really turn our attention to the college football landscape. This is what it's all about. Still some NIL, I want to say, rumblings can can, um, – excuse me, rumblings uh, surrounding some big-time players. We also see top 25s in terms of post-spring practice. So we have a gauge right now with games coming and taking place with about two months from now that we really can maybe get a jump from the odds perspective on, on getting value and seeing which teams potentially can challenge both Georgia and Alabama respectively in terms of college football 2022. And there's a
3: market specifically for that available on the FanDuel Sportsbook, which should show you the expectation for both of the two teams that played in the national championship game last year, Alabama and or Georgia versus the field. And right now the field is slightly favored at minus 125, but Alabama and Georgia are even money at plus 100. Again, a strong indication of where those two teams will be under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart respectively for Alabama and Georgia this upcoming 2022 college football season. Alabama, a couple big transfers in this offseason as well. Jameer Gibbs, the former running back from Georgia Tech, now in Tuscaloosa, should factor in to that offense under Bill O'Brien and Nick Saban transfer portal has been going crazy, Joe, as we know, across the landscape in college football. NIL has been a big focus of that. And to start off this week, we are getting more reporting around the idea of the NCAA trying to, and I emphasize trying to, strike back against a lot of these NIL collectives that are out there for each individual school and program trying to, in a way, recruit kids to come to their school with money available. And that is what what, there is a distinction that is needed in college football at this moment the idea of pay for play versus true nil name image and likeness where you can profit off the marketing opportunities of being a known commodity a known figure within your individual sport within your own individual school city community etc so that's where the big difference is right now and joe we have seen the ncaa try to strike up against these nil collectives trying to save that they are just boosters, a booster-backed collective, and thus the NCAA has regulations against boosters and their ability to openly recruit players with money over the table. It will be a very interesting dynamic to see how that plays out, though, based on the fact, Joe, that we know the legal system often backs everything but the NCAA.
4: Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this situation plays out because all of a sudden now they're starting to get involved. It's a little bit too late. They knew that this was on the horizon, didn't they, Ben? And they yeah. weren't proactive in any capacity. They took a, a wait-and-see approach. We'll, we'll see what plays out, and then all of a sudden we'll just go along with the ride. And then all of a sudden certain teams have an inside track because let's be honest, the top 25 teams really do have more money potentially than a group of five school, right? Right? I mean, it's very difficult for teams in the MAC and, let's say, uh, Mountain West Conference to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten, respectively. So how does it really play out in the future? Now the NCAA is going to get involved and say, now we're going to separate what is an NIL deal and pay-for-play based off boosters? We know this has been going on for years. Now it's legal, and the NCAA is behind the curve.
3: Though they've been behind the curve since this was instituted last summer, and NIL became a thing on July 1st, 2021, because again, The NCAA as an organization is going to try to label these NIL collectives as boosters virtually and by their regulations, by their guidelines, they will be able to better control what is happening in this NIL landscape. But I think it is going to be very difficult for the NCAA to label these NIL collectives as boosters because the cat's already out of the bag. The horses are already out of the stables. How do you get them back in once this has already begun? And it certainly has. The NCAA could have done this a couple of summers ago, a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago even, Joe Lisi, but they did not, and they are now behind the eight ball, and based on the fact that we know the Supreme Court struck down the NCAA last summer with a 9-0 unanimous ruling, the law doesn't really want to back up the NCAA based on their business model, which is considered by many to be fraudulent. So, thus, when you have that there, the NCAA has a large hill to climb to try to get anything to benefit them in their regulations to control this NIL and transfer portal landscape. It remains to be seen what exactly will happen, Lisey, but I think we can expect, as fans of the sport, for this to be the model that continues here moving forward. And as we move forward on this football full circle, on your Monday to start off a new week on Sports Grid Radio, we'll look at some of the ramifications and how the transfer portal is moving and how we can use the movement we have seen to see where the odds might move as well to provide some value for you as we look at the college football landscape to start off this new work week on FFC. Stay with us here on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159.
2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Football Full Circle on this Monday to start off a new week live right here on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. He is Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. The college football landscape, Joe, is ever-changing, ever-evolving. It's a new place we have to become comfortable with. The Transfer Portal, NIL, maybe soon a college football playoff expansion. There was some thought it could happen for the 2023 season. That is not the case. It has been pushed back by athletic directors and the college football playoff selection committee and the recommending committee. We're not entirely sure if or when we will see expansion. But, Joe, one thing we did see this weekend on Saturday at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, at the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby, a very, very Long shot winning the bed of roses. Rich strike at 80 to 1 odds, Joe Lisi, pulling off one of the largest upsets we have ever seen in the history of the Kentucky Derby, wins it outright at an 80 to 1 price. Rich strike at 80 to 1, Joe Lisi. What did you make of that? And then we'll tell you how we tie it into college football. Oh, amazing. Just am- and I'm a
4: long shot player when it comes to the yeah, Kentucky Derby, and the fact that I didn't play the number 21 horse after he oh. was implemented on Friday, I'm kicking myself, Ben. I really am kicking, on- kicking myself because that ride was unbelievable. I watched it over and over again. Phenomenal the way he came from the back to really pull up. On the outside, and and our very own sports conciliary, Dave Sharapan hit it. He hit it big. Good for him. But, I mean, just an amazing race. I love long shots. I love Cinderella. That's why I love the college football season.
3: And I think just maybe Mike Leach had some comments about that this past Saturday. Mike Leach did have some comments about that. And, of course, Mike Leach, the Pirate, we know his long history in college football, now the head coach at Mississippi State. And he tweeted on Saturday following Rich Strike's win, again, at 80-1 to odds, that horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. That horse hadn't won all the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. End quote, end tweet from the Pirate himself in Mike Leach. An interesting argument, Joe Lee. to take a long shot and one and apply it to the college football playoff? Now, Joe, we have started hosting this show within the last couple of weeks together. We've worked together for now over a year. We know each other pretty well. But I don't know all of your thoughts about the idea of an expanded college football playoff. How do you feel about an expanded CFP?
4: Well, here's the way I feel about the college football season. I think it's magical. I think it's second to none, and I don't want to see a watered-down product much like college basketball, okay? I know the March Madness is one of the best tournaments around, but the regular season is basically non-existent. Once you go to 12, we'll be talking about teams number 13 and 14 not getting in, and all of a sudden, we'll have a sixty four team playoff in college football where basically five and six teams, and I don't want to see that at all. I definitely do not want to see that. I understand what Mike Leach is going with the situation in terms of, you know, the underdog and the group of five teams, but we had that play out with Cincinnati last year. They got into the college football playoff. They squared off against Alabama and at the end of the day, they couldn't hold their weight or their end of the bargain because they were outmanned by a bigger physical team. Yeah, you might get that upset in round one or two, but over the course of the body of work, Ben, they're not going to win. We know that but would you want to see it maybe i don't mind once but i'd rather watch it in the regular season if your team's like boise state your team's like cincinnati you know what schedule alabama in terms of out of conference games and let's see how it plays out or lsu or georgia let's see that play out and let's see them knock them off in the regular season and then maybe i'll I'll, uh, change
3: my mind So, Joe and I are on opposite sides of this coin. I'm all for college football playoff expansion. I would love to see it get to at least eight, if not 12 teams. In fact, Lisey, I would rather see it get to 12 teams as opposed to eight because, just bear with me here, because I still think there would be supreme motivation in the regular season, if expanded to 12, because there are certain layers of how those playoffs would break out based on a 12-team model as opposed to an 8-team model. And what I mean by that is the idea of home-field advantage, the idea of buys being in the top four spots, and what that would look like. I am also a fan of it, because I think it would bring passion and, tra- uh, and um, pageantry, excuse me, was the word I was looking for, in tradition even more so to the sport because if expanded to 12, Joe, I think that opening round of the college football playoff where seeds five through 12 play each other four matchups in that spot five versus 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight nine. I think the team that would have home field advantage based on the better record throughout the regular season, still maintaining that motivation to perform very well in the regular season, would have home field advantage in the opening round of the college football playoff played on college campuses because that is. The the beauty of college football I love traveling to bowl games I love that all the environments that go into that of going to the Fiesta Bowl of going to the Rose Bowl I get all of that but there is nothing like a Saturday on campus and what that home field advantage would mean in a college football playoff scenario Joe I think still keeps that motivation in and obviously if expanded to 12 teams bringing brings in an extra level of excitement I, I feel you I understand where you're going but here's the uh, the thing that
4: I love about about college football, Ben, and we could debate it, right? We start out right out of the gate. No preseason, no margin of error. The biggest out-of-conference games taking place in the month of September. You screw up? Hey, guess what? It's it's your job to get back into the mix somehow, some way, right? That game, Oregon and Ohio State last year, where Oregon knocked off the Buckeyes as 14-and-a-half-point dogs, really solidified them as a top-five team, right? But Ohio State... Right in the ship. They are down the road in a, in a make it or break it game in Ann Arbor against Michigan, right? That game mattered. That was a college football playing game. So we had the playoff at the end of the regular season. Those two games at the end really mattered for both of those teams, right? Michigan, Ohio State. That's what it's all about. So Oklahoma State, OU as well in Stillwater. We had two semifinal playoff games at the end of the regular season. I just hate to watch down the product those late season games LSU Alabama Alabama Auburn Auburn knocks off Alabama in the Iron Bowl guess what Bryce Young and the crew don't even it doesn't even matter what they do in terms of the SEC championship they're on the outside looking in
3: Absolutely so, and you bring up a great point because that's the single greatest thing about college football in my mind, and we've discussed that, Joe. The idea of all that is changing in college athletics right now, we can still hold on to the fact that any given Saturday, any single Saturday might be the moment that you remember most from the season. It could happen in early October. It could be that final game of the regular season. It could be a conference championship game. One of those days will stand out to a fan base more than the rest and still be a narrative, a storyline, a highlight, to remember for many years to come, maybe as much or more so than who wins the national championship when all is said and done. But I still believe intrigue will be a part of an expanded system if we move it to 12 teams because you have more teams interested by the time we get to late November and early December, more teams capable of playing in the college football playoff where we allow teams, Joe, to grow throughout the year, to be a better version of themselves by the time we get to the end of 12 weeks to end out a regular season than they were on that opening weekend of September. And we often see that, Joe, that maybe this Ohio State-Notre Dame game that we're going to lead off with in week number one of this upcoming college football season, that one of those two teams, or maybe both of those two teams, look a lot different and a lot better by the time we get to the end of the year than they do at the beginning of it. Without a doubt. You're you're right about that,
4: and we'll we'll see what transpires. I will say this. If they did a college football playoff, it would would trump March Madness. People would be all in in terms of a 12-teamer.
3: Especially if we had a couple of home games mixed in. We'll continue the conversation as we get rolling here on Football Full Circle on Sports Grid Radio next
1: 21 plus only must be president of Virginia. If you are someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply.
5: You're listening to football full circle with Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens.
3: Welcome back to Football Full Circle on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. Live here on a Monday, I am Ben Stevens. He is Joe Lisi. And thanks to Kentucky Derby winner here in 2022, Rich Strike at 80-1 to 1 odds. In a tweet from Mike Leach, the head coach at Mississippi State, we get to talk a little bit of college football playoff expansion, Joe, here on Monday, May 9th. Because after Rich Strike 1, pulling off one of the biggest upsets we have seen in the history. History of the Kentucky Derby. Mike Leach tweeted out that horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. That horse hadn't won all the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. So you could think of the 80-1 to 1 long shots as your teams that rank 9 through 12 in the country that maybe with an expanded CFP would have an opportunity to dethrone the likes of Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Georgia. What do you think, Joe Leasy? I think Mike Leach should shut
4: up and just worry about winning games in Starkville. How about that? Because after he knocks off Texas A&M on the road as basically a 9.5-point underdog against Jimbo and the crew, two weeks later he gets abused by Alabama as a 16.5-point underdog at home under the lights in Starkville, 49-9. to nine. He follows that up with an egg bowl loss, and then as a 9.5-point favorite in the bowl game against Donovan Smith and Texas Tech, he loses the ball game outright. And gets abused. Are you kidding me? At seven and six overall, we were thinking Will Rogers and the crew potentially maybe could make some noise in the SEC. They knock off Auburn and come from behind uh, fashion, right? One of the biggest upsets in FBS history on the road in the plains. And then he lays an egg two games in a row. Like, Mike, what are you doing, buddy? I understand you want an expansion, but you're seven and six overall. Let's worry about winning the SEC West first, and then maybe we could
3: talk business. Go get him, Lacey. Go get him, baby. I love the heat on a Monday morning going after Mike Leach, but it's rightfully so. A 7-6 and six college football team still is not getting anywhere close to the college football playoff. And to Joe Lacey's point, when you look at the odds for Mississippi State, 100-1, to one. Joe a 100-1 to on the dogs from Starkville right now. The longest of all seven teams available for the SEC West Division. So that – is not going to get you in the college football playoff, to say the least. But if we had an expanded field, Joe, let's look at the future odds available right now for the national championship this upcoming year and maybe speculate about a couple of those teams that would be around the double-digit seed line, the 9, 10, 11, and 12 if we expanded to 12 teams. Because when we look at the team right now, with the eighth-best odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, that team is Michigan. Oh, excuse me. They have Yo, so they do have the eighth best odds. I was correct. Michigan has the eighth best odds at 50 to 1. Wisconsin and Florida tied for the ninth best odds at 60 to 1. LSU 70 to 1, Utah, Oregon, Miami, Penn State, Notre Dame and Mississippi, Ole Miss included in there, 80 to 1, Joe. So, those are some of the teams right now that would be in that ballpark just based off the odds and where they stand here in early May to maybe feature in that expanded college football playoff field,
4: I would only look at, at maybe three. If we're talking like right now, this season, right? We're, you know, and we're talking eighth or beyond. I can't buy into Michigan because obviously the defensive losses that they have, they also lose Hassan Haskins, and I'm not sold on Key or JJ McCarthy overall, right? I do not like Paul Christ. Anthony Richardson and Billy Napier are interesting, right? Because he is a dynamic quarterback at 60 to 1. But my money would be on actually three teams Ole Miss at 80 to 1 with Jackson Dart, LSU and Brian Kelly at 70 to 1, and Cam Rising in Utah at 80 to 1. Because if we talked about it, you want a potential dark horse. You want somebody that could challenge either the Big Ten champion or the SEC champion. And what Utah did last year losing. 48 to 45 with that defense and a physical presence i would take a shot on on utah at 80 to one with lsu and brian kelly as well
3: and you look at those 80 to 1 prices of course that's what rich strike who won the kentucky derby was also (laughs) booked as and that's what has led to this entire conversation in general joe let's focus on the bayou Bengals here for a second 70 to 1 You're already invested with Brian Kelly in LSU, entering year number one of his tenure in Baton Rouge. They were 150-1, to if I'm not mistaken. The Tuesday following the national championship game, already over half of their price has been shaved off. That's pretty ridiculous movement for something that really hasn't moved all that much, except for the idea that Jaden Daniels is now the quarterback for the Tigers. Yeah, I I expect Miles Brennan to win the job, but we were talking about playmakers.
4: Right, but offensive defense line If you're looking at one team that recruits eerily similar to Alabama, it is LSU. Every year they churn out, you know, NFL talent, and they won a national championship just two years ago with Joe Burrow. Sent 14 players to the NFL draft, and then they had back-to-back mediocre seasons in terms of 500 overall. But you have two potential dynamic playmakers at the wide receiver position: uh, Jare Jenkins and Caseon Booty. Booty's coming off the ACL injury, but we're talking about not just two explosive playmakers maybe in the SEC, but maybe all of college football. That goes up against Alabama and Ohio State. I mean, when these guys are on, Ben, they're on. Now, which quarterback can deliver the football? But you have to think that Brian Kelly elevates this team to the next level from an X's and O standpoint and discipline. That's where Eddie L regressed since 2019, right? It was Joe Brady, it was Dave Aranda, both of those coordinators that had success on both sides of the ball that really had a lot of people saying maybe it was those uh, coordinators that won the national championship not so much Eddie O who was basically the rah-rah guy so I would buy Intel SU right now 70-1 to I give Brian Kelly just as good a
3: shot as Jimbo in, in College Station this year And again, as we look at how this all lays out, the idea of the college football playoff as it stands, you need the pieces in place, but you also need the path to make sense. LSU to go through the SEC West when the SEC, at least as it stands right now, seems very difficult. But a team like Utah... At 80 to 1, the odds tend to stack up a little bit better in favor of the Utes. They have the second best price to win the Pac 12 South Division right now, only behind USC. The Trojans at plus 140, Utah at plus 250 and Joe as you look at that I think that's a public price on USC a 4-8 football team last year that was also 4-8 against the spread I understand it's Lincoln Riley now I understand they have Caleb Williams I understand there has been some roster improvements but they needed roster improvements in a big way I don't think USC should be the betting favorite to win the Pac-12 South I think it should be the Utah Utes uh, I, I agree with you.
4: I can't buy into USC in year one. I don't care how dynamic and explosive a USC is from an offensive perspective. If they're going to win the Pac-12, they need to do a defense. Defense ultimately wins championships. And, and we saw uh, USC play down to the level of competition. They got, they got abused by Oregon State, Ben, this year as an 11.5-point favorite. It was like the first time Oregon State won in the Coliseum since like 1912. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, we're talking mental resolve. Where's where's the pride? And that was with Drake London. That was with yeah. Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart. I mean, come on now. And one year is not going to change the mental fortitude of USC. I don't care about the hype. I don't care about Snoop Dogg, Will Ferrell. It's a two- to three-year project down the road. I can only look Utah uh, in terms of the Pac-12. Maybe UCLA because Chip has turned the corner. But I can't buy into Dan Lanning as well with a first-year head coach with no head coaching experience, taking over a team that has major question marks
3: on both sides of the ball. I think right now you could look at Utah and find a lot of value not only to win their division but to win the Pac-12 overall plus 500 the third best odds right now and then how that might all relate to a college football playoff bid because as we know Joe Lisi the Pac-12 as a conference has not made the college football playoff since the third ever CFP and that was back in the 2016 season when Washington got a bid only two appearances for the conference of champions as they are known, in the eight-year history of the college football playoff. And as we have discussed, CFP expansion, of course, it bears repeating that six schools have qualified for 25 of the 32 available spots in the eight-year history. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Notre Dame have dominated the college football playoff. Alabama at the top of the list. They have appeared in seven of the eight years. They have won three of the eight national championships championships. Clemson has appeared in 6 of the 8 years. They have won 2 of the 8 national championships and Ohio State is third in line, tied with Oklahoma for the fourth for uh, for the third most appearances with four overall Ohio State winning that national championship in 2014 our inaugural season of the college football playoff there might be an idea of expansion but it also goes to show Joe that chalk tends to win the day in the CFP so we'll give we're giving you value with Utah at 80 to 1 and LSU at 70 to 1 or Ole Miss at 80 to 1 but the reason those prices are so long even when you're in the top 10 of best odds is because of how chalk and how heavy the college football playoff can be. And how the SEC is dominated,
4: right? We know Alabama's a usual suspect, and when you have two SEC teams playing in terms of a national championship, uh, they are the conference to beat. So I agree with you. There are some teams, I will say, maybe in the 40 to one and 30 to one that maybe have a shot. But you're right, and I'll, I'll throw one other team at 80 to one: Notre Dame, Ben, at 80 to one. That that whole 80 to one hinges on that September 10th contest against Ohio State. You think Notre Dame can win? Grab it now.
3: Grab it right now. And if you think Notre Dame can win that, also bet it on the money line because they've opened up, have the Irish as a near-two touchdown underdog against the Buckeyes for that season opener for Ohio State and Notre Dame. Football full circle. Off and running on a new week here on Sports Grid Radio. We come back after the break
1: 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Football Full Circle with
5: Joe Lisi and Ben
3: Stevens. Football Full Circle, back right here live on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. He is Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. A college football look on Football Full Circle to start off your new week here all across the Sports Grid Radio Network. And Joe, there's a couple of things we got to do some housekeeping for when it comes to that transfer portal moving in college football. We provided what we thought with some pretty good analysis, maybe some good value on the Utah Utes to not only win the Pac-12 at 5-1 to right now with the third best price, but maybe even have a shot or at least a long shot look of making the college football playoff at 80-1 to if they can win the Pac-12 with an unblemished record. The team behind the Utah Utes in the South Divisional odds and to win the Pac-12 Conference Championship, Arizona State, Right now, live on FanDuel, Joe, at plus 700 to win the Pac-12 title. I'm not sure how Arizona State is going to take advantage of that, given how tumultuous their offseason has been. But one bright spot, Emery Jones, the quarterback from Florida, now in Tempe, leading Herm Edwards' offense.
4: It's interesting because Emory Jones comes there. Jaden Daniels transfers to Baton Rouge. They only have five scholarship wide receivers on the roster. Can you imagine that in terms of Tempe when you think about Arizona State and what Herm Edwards has brought that program right now? Rashad White, there big play running back, moves on to the NFL. This is a team that you know was just basically mediocre. Ben, I'll be I'll be honest, and I brought it up in terms of a tweet. I said, as Herm Edwards elevated the program to new heights from where former head coach Todd Graham had the program they were seven and six when Graham got fired second in the Pac-12 South and they were six and three I believe in the conference right he was basically getting that team back on track he brought the yep. team to 10 win seasons then had two subpar uh, years and then was back up over 500 seven and six got the team to a bowl game and it's like yeah, that was unacceptable you know Herm is the real guy to to elevate this program all well and good but Herm was supposed to be the the player and the coach that could relate to the kids he was working for ESPN dual do, doing all the off-season camps right and look at all the off-the-field issues Arizona State has
3: now that it's amazing he's still the head coach in Tempe right now and it's not just tumultuous in terms of a player turnover or what the roster looks like with Joe mentioning the five wide receivers that have hit the transfer portal this offseason, only leaving five scholarship players on the roster for the Sun Devils, but the fact that throughout his couple of years, Joe, they have been marred in NCAA allegations, off-the-field troubles that go through the roof right now for Arizona State. So it's a very interesting situation, even with Emery Jones coming in to be your starting quarterback. Things do not seem stable at all for the Sun Devils. I don't know how you could bet Arizona State with a futures price at this point because I don't think there's a lot of value in a guy that we've seen and Herm Edwards come there and just kind of be middle of the pack. Really nothing that's going to inspire you in the Pac-12 South.
4: He became more of like a Mac Brown in North Carolina, where he he didn't have the hands-on approach. He he was more the overseer of the program, and he allowed the coordinators to really coach and and really you know teach the scheme. So I don't know if that typically works. It works in certain programs. It's not going to work in a program that hasn't had overall elite success. Maybe Nick Saban could do that after you win seven national championships. You could sit back and say this is the Alabama way. But what was the Arizona State Way? They were always, you know, fighting to go toe to toe with USC, to go toe to toe back in the mid '90s with UCLA and when Bob Toledo was there. So you know, you you have to establish a mindset. That's something that Herm Edwards did not do. They're sort of just holding ground right now, treading water. If they go under 500 earlier in in terms of the month of September, he could be gone. What's holding this program in this this organization? to Herman Edwards, right? He had the tie with the SI, but at this particular time with all the -the off-the-field allegations, you want to cut ties sooner rather than later, Ben, unless they're challenging for a uh,
3: Pac-12 South title. Joe, that's a great point, too. If things do not go well early on for Arizona State this year, might Herm Edwards be on the chopping chopping block before we even get to the end of the regular season? And it's not easy to start. Two of their first four opponents, Joe Lisi, non-conference visiting Stillwater and Oklahoma State, and their Pac-12 opener is against Utah. Sure, it's in Tempe, but that is going to be an incredibly, incredibly tough start. Follow that with a trip to USC the following week. We'll know very early on within the five first five weeks of this football season for Arizona State if Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils are going to be competitive within the conference. They might start out 0-2 behind the eight ball within their own division, Joe, in the South with having any sort of opportunity to win the Pac-12 Conference Championship. A tough schedule for Arizona State at the start. They'll have to prove their medal very, very early on. So, Joe, as we transition from college football with some former college football players that have now just recently made the step into the NFL. We're getting some of the rookie headlines across the league in the National Football League. Some of the biggest picks, some of the earliest draft picks already signing their deals to become a true part of their organization. Last week, we saw Jordan Davis, the big man from Georgia, now a Philadelphia Eagle, sign his rookie deal early on. One of the first draft signees from the 2022 NFL draft in that first round. Today, we learned from ESPN's Adam Schefter that the number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson has inked his deal as well. A Michigan man through and through from the state of Michigan. Played his high school football in the state of Michigan. Of course, his college football at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And now, Joe, he will be in the Motor City for quite some time, it seems, with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and in year number two with Dan Campbell, you want to move forward. You want to progress. This is the
4: face of the franchise. He has an opportunity to really spearhead this deal defensive unit. You don't want to push this off. Let's just get it done, sign them, make them happy, let them be focused for the start of camp, and let's just focus as a team overall. I really believe, and I said this in terms of when we were out there at the MGM, I really believe Detroit is alive over their 6.5 win total. I think this team is bought in to Dan Campbell. I don't love Jared Goff, but he's, he's a complimentary piece to that offense. They got some playmakers in terms of, I love Khalil Pimpleton, the free agent and signing. You have Jamison Williams now that can come back in the middle of the year from the knee injury, TJ Hawkinson. This team starting is starting to take face, right? They have an identity. You know what uh, Detroit is. They're going to hit you in the mouth on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to grind you out, and you know what? I buy into Dan Campbell. I'm over their 6.5 win total at plus 132. I think he is a good coach. The team is bought in in terms
3: of the mindset, and I'm going to ride it. You know what? I think they're going to surprise some people. PEOPLE THIS YEAR. And when you look at the numbers against the spread, because, Joe, as we always say, good teams win and great teams cover. And we want to bet those teams that can cover a number. The Detroit Lions last year in the regular season, the third-best ATS record in the entirety of the National Football League, finishing at 11-6 and six against the number. 11-6 and six against the number is what the Detroit Lions were able to do last year. That is a profitable football team. And show. Joe, at least in my opinion, a level of competitiveness that can carry you over to more wins on paper the following year. Of course, the Detroit Lions, a 3-13-1 football team that finishes 11-6 ATS, a cover percentage at 64.7%. Lisey, that shows a team that fought, that showed a team that bought in, and that showed a team that plays very hard for their head coach, embodying the spirit of Dan Campbell. That's why I believe you will see more success straight up in terms of the win-loss column than just against the spread in 2022. Totally agree. Outside that blowout loss on the road uh, in Denver, they
4: were like 13 and a half point dogs. Remember, 20 players had like the flu in that ball game. Yep. They stepped up. I agree with you. The biggest thing is that they could have thrown in the season and quit and said, "This is the typical Detroit Lions organization. We're going to go 2 and 15 overall." But they, they step up as a seven and a half point underdog at home, knock off Minnesota. They go toe to toe with some of the better teams, knock off Green Bay at the end of the year. Granted, Rodgers only played. A specific period. But but at the end of the day, they bought into the offense and defensive philosophy of Dan Campbell. And the biggest progression, typically, from a new head coach is from year one to year number two, right? You, you weed out the players that fit the scheme. Now in year number two, everybody's bought into the offensive and defensive line philosophy and now we mm-hmm. can move forward. We understand the expectations. So now with the veteran quarterback, and I'll say it again, I don't love Jared Goff, but he's still good in to lead this team on uh, in wins especially on the road he's a Super Bowl quarterback to a degree understand he didn't win in the Super Bowl but he still got his team there if they could just run the football a little more consistently Jamal Williams was brought in there DeAndre Swift they have to make a decision are we gonna give this guy and make this guy the workhorse can he stay healthy if so I think they're gonna have a pretty explosive offense this
3: season And they also brought in, of course, Jamison Williams and trading up to get that 12th overall pick in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. So they're adding to that explosiveness offensively. Amon Ross St. Brown was fantastic last year for Detroit as well. Really seemed to have a good vibe with Jared Goff as the starting quarterback in Detroit. And it's interesting, Joe. You bring up that six and a half team win total for the Detroit Lions. The under a slight bit more of juice at minus 120, the over of that 6.5, even money, plus 100. When you compare that with the team that drafted right before them at number one overall in Jacksonville, also a a 6.5 for their team win total for the Jags. The under a slight bit more juice At minus 125 as compared to minus 120, but very similar odds here, Joe, for both the Jags and the Lions, who drafted one and two respectively in the 2022 NFL draft. Who do you think has the better chance of going over their team win total of six and a half, Detroit or Jacksonville?
4: I think it's Detroit, and I think it's because of the veteran experience of Jared Goff. I haven't seen Mm. Trevor Lawrence in terms of the progression on the next level. I haven't seen it. Now, you can make the argument it was due to Urban Meyer. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I didn't see Trevor Lawrence know where he wants to go with the football last year. He looked a little bit like a deer in the headlights. Did not look confident. I saw a lot of throws short hopped, especially in the short to intermediate routes. Now, at the end of the day, if you need to rely on a runner, running game to carry your team, you're not going to win many games in the NFL, especially where they are now, right? They have playmakers. They have Evan Ingram. They have uh, Christian Kirk. I love Zay Jones. I think he's one of the most underrated slot guys in terms of the game. He's smooth. He always steps up in a big spot, was basically Derek Carr's security blanket. So now they have surrounded Trevor Lawrence with enough skilled players around him. They protected him. They got Scherf in the offseason. They They stepped up and solidified the offensive line a little bit later. Travis Etienne, his teammate, comes back. What does Trevor Lawrence give you? I need to see it. So if we're talking Detroit, we're talking Jacksonville, both six and a half. I think maybe Jacksonville has a step up from a defensive perspective, but I'll still take the offensive-minded Jared Goff over Trevor Lawrence because, to me,
3: he hasn't progressed, especially in year one from the start of the year to the end. I mean, if you see just the results of last year and how competitive the two teams were in comparison to each other, yes, the Detroit Lions is certainly the play, but there is a lot of optimism, especially defense, or offensively rather, for this Jacksonville Jaguars team. There is some optimism defensively as well. We'll finish out the conversation about the Jags because could there be another interesting phenomenon in the AFC as we saw a season ago? A second-year quarterback taking a leap in that sophomore category campaign propelling his team to great postseason success we finish out the show on football full circle on the other side of the break right here next on sports grid radio
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
3: We round out this Monday show of FFC right here live on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is Joe Lisi. Joe, the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, represented the AFC in last year's Super Bowl, ultimately falling to the Los Angeles Rams, but still representing and winning an AFC championship. The Cincinnati Bengals the year prior, in 2020, were a four-win football team, nine and seven against the spread, showing that competitive nature but just a four-win football team. Their second-year quarterback, Joe Burrow, often ACL injury, leads them to an AFC championship. Joe, do you think any of these sophomore quarterbacks that we will see, Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville, Zach Wilson with the New York Jets, Mac Jones with the New England Patriots, Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears, or Trey Lance with the San Francisco 49ers can replicate a similar level of success this upcoming year? I think it's
4: possible, Ben. I think if I had to bet on one quarterback in, in terms of stepping up and really leading this team, I think it's Justin Fields. I've been a big Justin mm. Fields backer. I still think he's potentially one of the best quarterbacks in last year's class with Mac Jones. I just don't know if Mac Jones has the identity, right? Well, I didn't see Bill Belichick go out and, and really take an elite playmaker. They have Devontae Parker. So I like Fields. I'm going to say Fields in Chicago, new head coach. I think Justin Fields is Focused. I think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. And he has the type of big play ability, not just with his arm, but with his legs, to really take over a franchise just the way Lamar Jackson did a few seasons ago. So give me Justin Fields in
3: year number two. A new head coach in Matt Eberflus, a new offensive coordinator, and Luke Getze coming over from Green Bay as well. And one more comparison. The Bengals had a team win total this past year of 6.5. They went well over the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chicago Bears, both with a second-year quarterback and both with a team win total at 6.5. He's Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. We are here all week long on Football Full Circle in Sports Grid Radio. Keep it locked on Sirius X. Sam Channel 159. The money line with Donnie Wrightside and Kevin Walsh is up next. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups
5: are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did
1: it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic.